0: Welcome back to the Fully Nourished Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Ash, functional nutritionist and integrative health coach, coming to you with a scientific and spiritual exploration of what it looks like to awaken our feminine radiance by becoming deeply and fully nourished in a world that wants to dull us down. You ready? As a reminder, everything in this podcast is for education and inspiration only and is not intended as medical advice. Please talk to the appropriate professional when necessary, and please use common sense before making any changes to your diet and lifestyle. So it's fall. It's finally fall. And I'm sure I'm not the only woman in your life mentioning the fact that it is fall. But I feel like it's so interesting because social media is just so interesting to me because it feels like... It helps bring the human experience together. Like all I see is just pumpkin, everything, and uh, fall stuff, and people going all out for Halloween. And in a way, it does make us feel less alone because we're like, "Hey, we're not the only one that kind of loves this stuff." But then at the same time, it makes you feel so alone because you're like, "How do these people do all this stuff?" I I just like kind of just need to get the basics done. And once I'm done with the basics, I only have uh, a little room for the rest. There's something incredibly weird about it. (laughs) I don't know. It does add some life pressure for sure. I, I choose to ignore it, but I can't imagine how the people that can't ignore it. I mean, man, I would be stressed. I just I'm satisfied just adding like a little bit of like a couple tablespoons of pumpkin puree to my morning espresso, or maybe doing the occasional little like pumpkin pie smoothie where I just add some pumpkin and some cinnamon and some roasted sweet potato in there and a little banana, little milk, little protein powder, yum, yum. But I'm completely satisfied with just doing like a few basic things and it still makes it feel like fall, it's still fun, but it's not like an extremely stressful competition that I really did not sign up for and I really don't want any part of. But we do we do love fall. I love the weather right now. It's just perfect. It's like the perfect low 70s. I need just a little little sweater when it starts to cool off. Mm. mm. It's just perfect. And it's not going to last very long, but it's it's good and I'm going to really savor it while it lasts. So, switching gears, In the past week, I have gotten really real with you guys about my soul-deep burnout. You know, I went through this hermit chapter, as you ladies so lovingly called it, and it really was my, I guess, you know, in a way, like, dark night of the soul. I just needed a break. I just needed to take a step back. It wasn't like I was accomplishing anything or I was planning and plotting behind the scenes i really just needed a break and i needed to slow down and let my brain just turn to mush for a little bit as a lot of us do and you know for me what i recognized and i talked about this two episodes ago is that burnout really just strips away the parts of your identity that are not the core of who you are and it kind of just snaps all that we're attached to and leads leaves us with what we feel like is nothing. Like we're at our lowest lows. But then all of a sudden, we realize that it is this process that's helping us develop a strong sense of self. And I know you're probably like, why is this why is this nutritionist talking about a strong sense of self? But what I have learned over the past couple of years is, The physical stuff is never enough, which is why you see these people in the wellness industry just continuing on the same cycles over and over. And at some point, they start searching for more to focus on physically and nutritionally and like keep fine-tuning and fine-tuning and getting more restrictive and more restrictive because they're not going deeper. Their body is calling them to go deeper and forcing them and trying to give them the opportunity to go deeper, but they're not going deeper. And that's what's so dangerous about like never slowing down and going, 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 going and never skipping a beat and always producing and always trying to accomplish something and always reaching towards the next goal is when you never really slow down and let your body just whoosh come to a halt. You sometimes have an artificial sense of your reality because you're in such a physiological state of hormonal function. You're requiring more cortisol and more adrenaline and more blood sugar manipulation to keep you in that state and functioning in that state, it really does do a good job of warping your reality. And I realized this myself. And then in Tuesday's episode, which we've kind of been doing, we're experimenting with something new where we're splitting episodes kind of down the middle and we're trying to do a Tuesday episode and a Thursday episode. So this is the first week we're doing that. But in Tuesday's episode... I talked about what I think is the missing piece in the trauma healing space. I put quotations around that because I feel like healing trauma has become like the new fad kind of phrase or statement. But really, you know, I summarized how... A lot of women are becoming aware that their their stress patterns are not healthy. They don't have healthy behavioral patterns. They're constantly reacting to every little thing instead of responding in a normal, calm way. And every little thing is forcing them into a fight or flight state. Or they're staying in this chronic state of fight or flight where everything, anything that happens is to their body, this life or death situation. And so then you see what's popular right now, which is like, go talk to a therapist or go start working on your wounds or go start, you know, working through your trauma. And so you start to just dig up this junk, dig up all of this old stuff that is absolutely impacting our patterns and our behaviors and maybe not serving us well, but we're almost forcing the body to process things that it may or may not have the energy to process. And so, I believe that really in a big way the missing piece of healing our trauma or why so many people are almost feeling like they're getting worse is because they're forcing their body to process something that it doesn't have the energy or the nutrients to process. You know, processing trauma and processing our experiences is a very physical process. It's not just emotional, it's not just spiritual. It's not not just psychological. There is a huge physical aspect of it, and I think that gets overlooked a lot. And so people kind of separate it in their minds, and they look at it as two different things, like getting healthy and getting nourished, and uh, you know, focusing on your metabolism and supporting your body with the fuel it needs is something completely different than the psychological or emotional side. But they're really one and the same, and they both feed into each other. You know, our body is one. And if something is moving emotionally or energetically, it is absolutely affecting the physical structure. Because as we have explored up until this episode, you know, energy begets structure. And then the structure really impacts how the energy is created and generated. So one cannot exist without the other. I talked about this in episode 2. And so what a lot of people see is as they start to really focus on cellular nourishment and cellular metabolism or the way the body generates energy using the fuel it has, what they find is they get to a point and then they start hitting more walls, right? That maybe they find a lot of balance and their hormones start to shift when they start to eat every couple of hours or focus more on blood sugar balance or balance their protein and carbs, or maybe start to eat things like the raw hair salad or really finding fibers that work for them that help bind and carry some junk out of the body. You know, when they start to focus on food as nourishment rather as food through the the lens of restriction and survival, there's a lot of shifts that take place. And I've seen the power of becoming fully nourished and nourishing your body appropriately for your biology. It's actually incredible and insane, the things that I have seen happen. But What a lot of women experience is that it only takes them so far, which is normal and natural, right? Because then the body invites us the opportunity to go deeper. And if we don't, it's just going to keep kind of gently nudging us in that direction because it's my belief that the body really is there to guide the core parts of us to who we really are. And so you kind of see this thing happen where women, as they begin to nourish themselves, they get out of these kind of survival-based eating patterns. Maybe they ditch the restrictive eating, ditch keto, ditch low-carb, ditch veganism. Maybe they stop intermittent fasting so hardcore. A lot of times when you stop running off of stress hormones it can almost feel uncomfortable because what's happening on an energetic state is a lot of us are switching out of this more masculine energy right because when there's so much adrenaline pumping through our veins and our body is constantly accessing cortisol to be that glucocorticoid that which is a is a glucose manipulating hormone that's what that means and what cortisol does and adrenaline does and glucagon does all of these glucocorticoids or glucose regulating hormones, their job is when the body's under stress, the body's under pressure, let's get blood sugar up as quickly as possible. And whatever needs to happen needs to happen. So if that's not from our liver and our liver doesn't have enough stored glycogen, what happens is our body is going to pull from the tissues. And the misconception is that the body's always going to pull from the fat cells. And that's not always the case. You know, some people are more genetically predisposed, metabolically predisposed to pull from the fat cells, which is why you see some people that are under stress are incredibly skinny. They have a hard time keeping their body fat on. But then you see a lot of people have been stuck in more of a parasympathetic or like a frozen, I don't even want to call it parasympathetic because it's really that dorsal vagal response, that frozen response where their body has been in a state of fight or flight for so long, it can no longer really sustain fight or flight. And so it goes into a more like dormant conserve energy frozen mode. And that is a place metabolically where we tend to store a lot more fat and eat through our muscle tissue. We're more predisposed to be in that kind of state where we may be actively eating through our muscle tissue while putting on fat because of the way that our stress hormones are functioning. And that really does come down to both the thyroid and the adrenal health in the individual. And it's just going to depend, but they can be both the same state, whereas somebody's going to maybe burn through all their body fat to the point where they can't even keep enough body fat on to stay comfortable, to uh, stay warm. And then, of course, the opposite can occur as well, where we just keep gaining and gaining and gaining weight. But sorry for that little tangent. Pretty much what I'm saying is when women start to nourish themselves well, they start to see kind of the the system calm down and change in a way and we start to move from that masculine energy, that kind of high testosterone, high adrenaline state to a different type of state. And for a lot of us, that can come with some discomfort because sometimes our body starts to detoxify things that it previously did not have the energy or the time or the focus to detoxify. Sometimes we can go through really uncomfortable hormonal shifts there. Sometimes it could just feel like we're extremely tired because we're so used to the feeling of adrenaline and cortisol. We don't even know what our body in our kind of natural state feels like. And we're actually like, wow, I'm really exhausted. Like I need a lot of rest to be able to function here. And to me, that's all kind of a part of the recovery process. But for some people, it can almost lead to like, a little bit of a, a deep feeling of burnout, or you can be a couple years into your journey and you can also experience some states of burnout because as your body invites you, you know, as you start to change on a cellular level and you become more energetically sound, you can start to really process deep, deep wounds, or your body's at, le- at least inviting you to start processing certain deep wounds that you carry. And in the processing of those, those big experiences, big emotions, it can feel like we're almost burned out because we are utilizing so much energy to work through all of it. And so I feel like a lot of this is really still very misunderstood. And so you look around and you see women kind of starting their, their journey of healing their trauma, or they're actually just uh, stuck in this vicious cycle of healing trauma, you know, kind of just tapping it out and practicing their somatic tools and coping with their stress and trying to actively force their body to calm down, you know, get get that vagus nerve activated, like activate now, you know, and we're trying to fix ourselves. And there's just some like a, a very big gaping hole here. I feel like there's a very big disconnect because these same women are, especially I feel like in the wellness world, everywhere you look, women are afraid of everything. Like you are seeing wellness influencers right now in crisis. Like they are just getting more and more afraid. And I can't imagine if you live in a reality where everything is a danger, right? Every toxin, every chemical, every light bulb, every single thing in your environment is out to get you. You are under attack. You're going to stay in a constant state of fight, a constant state of flight, and you're going to be afraid. You are going to be driven by fear. Every part of your reality is driven by fear. And no matter how beautiful the aesthetic, no matter how many affiliate codes you put all over it, we still need to see it for what it is, which is so many women right now are really struggling with fear. They are afraid. They're afraid of everything. And it's leading them to want to control every little thing in their environment, right? The only thing that they feel like they can do is just start to control everything and control it more and more and like just start to nitpick and and get down into the minutiae of everything in their environment because that's what they feel like the only thing they can do because they're so focused on the physical. They're so focused on, you know, I'm still not feeling 100% or I'm still struggling with X, Y, Z things. So it must be something in my physical environment. It must be a supplement that I'm not taking, or it must be the fact that like, oh my gosh, I was exposed to blue light for two seconds the other night. And oh my gosh, my melatonin has been wrecked for days. But in reality, what's actually going on is their fear is depleting their body. It's keeping them in a state of fight or flight. And then on top of it, as they try to control every little thing, I mean, it's just like tight gripping your way through life. It's such an energy suck. And it's. It that fear, that vibrational and energetic state of fear, which, you know, in like traditional Chinese medicine, the kidneys are the place that we store fear. And I find that interesting because that's really like where the blood is cleansed and that's where we detoxify heavy metals. And then we're wondering why we can't balance our hormones or why our guts are still a wreck or why we continue to just be on this vicious cycle of kind of what I like to call whack-a-mole, where it's like, oh, thyroid issue, whack-a-mole, whack those symptoms down, and then, oh, I got adrenal issues, and then whack that mole, and like, oh, no, I have autoimmune issues now, whack that mole. And we just keep focusing so much on the surface level, not recognizing that there's something really a lot deeper going on. And when you look at women biologically and physiologically, really, we, we desire complete safety and stability. We crave feeling safe. We crave feeling taken care of. And I don't want to hear any of that like, well, I don't, that's not what I want. Deep down at the very core of you, like woman to woman, let's admit to ourselves that that is really what we desire. There is nothing weak about having a need to not be abandoned and to have safety and have stability. There's nothing weak about that. But in fact, that is actually a part of your nature. It's a part of my nature. And we need to start having the conversations of this is impacting us metabolically. This is impacting us on a metabolic level. And if we are feeling unsafe, if we are feeling a lack of stability, if we are in a chronic state of fear, no amount of perfect nutrition or perfect supplements or perfect wellness routine is going to make us feel better or help us overcome what we're going through, whether we're having physical symptoms or more emotional symptoms. But when the body is stuck in a state of survival, you know, the types of hormones that need to be created are not going to be conducive to building muscle, to staying lean, to growing hair, to renewing our skin to having that kind of plump, youthful glow, to making progesterone, to having strong fertility, to having balanced cycles, you know, being stuck in a state of survival and lack of safety is going to impact us on a very physical level. And so there are a lot of us who know this. There are a lot of us who recognize this, right? Whether we're stuck in that state of freeze mode where we're kind of constipated, our digestion is really sluggish, we're really bloated, we gain weight when we look at food. We feel like we can't eat a carbohydrate, we feel hopeless, we feel kind of just numbed out, we're not really connected to our experience, whether we're stuck in that state, or when we're more stuck in that like fight or flight stage, where we're just like kind of erratic, out of control you know, ragey and, you know, we can bounce back and forth in between the two, right? Because that is usually a sign that we are in an imbalanced place in and of itself where we're, we're jumping between being numbed out, depressed, frozen, and then just like in a state of survival and then back into that frozen state. Whereas in a functioning and balanced nervous system, we would be remain in our parasympathetic state, right? We would We would remain in that kind of rest and digest and like connected and present state that I talked about in the last episode. And then we would jump into fight or flight when we need to in a state of survival. But for a lot of us, we're just kind of operating either in fight or flight or freeze mode. And we feel like we can't get out of it. And so we're taking the the current advice, which is like, you know, deal with your trauma, heal from your trauma, heal your trauma, heal your nervous system. And then we're doing all these modalities and we're talking it out and talking about our problems. And we're wondering why we're not getting better. And some of us are wondering, why do I feel so much worse? And I'm not here to tell you what the answer is. You know, I'm here to just kind of present the facts and present my observations and the things that I've learned, and you get to make your own conclusions. And so today's episode, I wanted to bring up something that I think for a lot of us is important for our process that we have no clue is important for our process of healing. And I call it our generation's deep mother wound. When I sat down to kind of outline this article, the first thing that I wrote down was breaking or recasting generational spells, a generation of hungry daughters starving for nurture. And the reason I wrote this down is because originally, uh, a few years ago, I read a book called Mother Hunger by a woman named Kelly McDaniel. And it was a really fascinating book. I recommend it a lot to women because I think it's an important aspect of our relationship with nutrition and our relationship with food and our relationship with our own bodies. And we kind of overlook how impactful our relationship with our mother was for our relationship with ourselves. And after I ro- I read that book, I really just started to think about all of the the different facets of that beyond what she had written, this kind of idea of being hungry for a mother and what that really means. And it led me down to just expanding upon a lot of of some of the ideas and taking, you know, putting my own observations in there. I I was inspired by the idea of mother hunger. I don't necessarily agree with everything that was in the book, but I was definitely inspired by that idea. And, you know, I hear a lot about women starting to call out and say that they're healing generations of trauma. That's kind of the new, newer thing where when women start to to become aware of their, how their experiences shaped them, then they start to go down this rabbit hole of, oh, maybe I'm not just dealing with my patterns, but I'm dealing with imprinted patterns that have been imprinted upon me. And for those of you who don't know, or maybe have just never thought of this, you know my grandmother, when she was pregnant with my mother, I was in her body because as my mother's womb was being developed as a fetus, I was within her womb. I was within her ovaries. And so a lot of people kind of overlook the fact that we have both physical imprintations on us, right? Our grandmother's hormonal state and nutritional state was absolutely passed on to our mother, but also imprinted upon us. And then our mother's nutritional state and hormonal state was imprinted upon me and my future children as well you see this a lot in the research, you know, this kind of multi-generational impact. It's not just mother to child, but grandmother to child. And sometimes I remember reading a paper once that sometimes the granddaughter's hormonal function and mitochondrial function reflects the grandmothers more than it reflects the mothers. And I find that just incredibly interesting. But then you also see like in Bruce Lipton's the biology of belief, you see there's much more to it than that. You know, the mother's emotional state, the grandmother's emotional state absolutely impacts. It's the idea of epigenetics, you know, where our genes get turned on or off based on the environment that we're in, what we're exposed to, et cetera, et cetera. And he talks about concepts like the need for a uh, community and the power of loneliness and how loneliness can impact the system so dramatically. And, you know, all of these works and all of these thought processes kind of led me to this idea that, oh my gosh, you know, it's my opinion that we as a generation, I look at our generation, you know, I'm a millennial, but I know that there's there's most of the listeners of this podcast are millennials and of millennial age. But we have some young ones and we definitely have some older ones as well. And I think you can all relate to the idea that, our generation and the ones that are coming even after us millennials and the ones that came before, we are all trying to compensate and heal from multiple generations of abandonment in a society that celebrates mothers abandoning their children. And I'm not just talking about phys- – I'm not talking about physical abandonment. I know that is something that some of you have struggled with. But I'm more talking about a more uh, – an abandonment – in the form of emotional abandonment, or just the uh, the abandonment that you feel when a mother is not present with you. And like I mentioned, you know, at, for us as women who who carry this biology that's so sensitive to safety, that's so sensitive to stability and being taken care of, and needing that to be in the fullness of our femininity, right? Because our body really does revolve around the Biological purpose of reproduction, and that requires a lot of safety and being taken care of, right? There's a vulnerability to that. There's also an incredible power and strength as well, but there is a vulnerability to that. Nobody is invulnerable, right? (laughs) And so that makes me wonder as women who have experienced a society that really encouraged and still encourages, and we'll dive into what I mean by this abandonment emotionally, how has that impacted us on a metabolic level? And do we even comprehend how it has? I don't think so. And if you're like, and if you're like, I don't track, like you're losing me, stick with me, please stick with me. So if we look at our nature, right, as women, we really are communal beings. And I think sometimes we have disconnected from that because our experience with women, you know, Not all women are in their feminine energy. A lot are in their masculine energy. So, of course, this is going to lead to them being very competitive and seeing you as a competitor, seeing you as a threat. If a woman is in fight or flight mode, she's going to be more fight or flighty. You know, she's going to be ragey and cagey. And she's probably not going to be the best of friends, but she's also probably not going to have your best interests in mind because she's so caught up in her own hormonal juju that she... Can't even comprehend showing up in a real, true, vulnerable, woman-to-woman, respect-to-respect type of way. And I think for a lot of us, we kind of carry that idea where it's like, well, I'm not a communal being. I'm not – I don't need community because, like, every woman I've ever been friends with has hurt me and pierced me to the core. And unfortunately, that is a very common thing that we as women are dealing with. It's very hard to have real female relationships nowadays. So when I say that we as women are communal beings, I mean it in that way. (laughs) I mean it when we're talking about real, true, intimate and vulnerable female relationships that allow us to grow as people where we see each other, we allow each other safe places to vent, but then also we also help each other rise and we help each other see each other clearly and call out each other's strengths and help us work through our faults gently. But we are communal beings as women, and we do require really strong, raw, and real relationships with women to be able to develop a strong sense of self because remember it's very difficult for us to see ourselves clearly we require others specifically other women to see ourselves more clearly and shift our perspective of ourselves for a lot of us we have a difficult time seeing ourselves clearly but when we have another woman there that has our back and is there with us in realness and she's there to you know look us in the eye and tell us the truth she's there for our good and we're there for her good What can happen is something amazing, and it can help us develop a really, really strong sense of self. There is something very important about being with other women who share in the feminine experience and holding space for each other, being just able to just be in each other's presence and just be a woman. And I think about traditional societies of old, how by the time you were born, you would have already been in a relationship with a lot of different women in your community. I talked about this in my uh, live Q&A this past week for Fully Nourished students, but I was watching this. I think I, I did find it on TikTok. It was this video where this Native American man was talking about how when a baby is born, the first thing that they do is they pass the child to all the women of the community as a representation that every single woman in that community just became a mother. And I think of the beauty in that because to me, that is so amazing. It, it takes the, the phrase, it takes a village to a whole nother level because here these women are sharing, which our current society would call in the burden. But I would say sharing here in the opportunity and the honor and the pleasure of, of acting as a mother figure in this small child's life. And I think for the daughters, especially, how incredible that would be. And you think of all of the pressure now that is on mothers in our society, because really, if we're being honest, our original relationship with a woman or our original feminine relationship is with our mother, And because we no longer have this kind of community-oriented society, what we're seeing is that now the relationship with our mother completely shapes our sense of self. It is the first female relationship that most of us will have. I say most of us because I know that's not true for all of us. And our relationship or lack thereof with our mother is going to impact us immensely on a sense of self level it's going to really radically shape what our sense of ourself is because when we're born you know we have a basic biological need for nurturance right like to the point where if we don't get it we will die but what a lot of people don't realize is another basic biological need is the need for presence from a mother emotional presence provides a sense of safety and security and stability, having a mother that is there with you, both physically and emotionally, and not just physically there, but miles and miles away in her mind. So when we're small, that basic ne- biological need is really for a presence, right, to, to really define who we are in the world, and that nurturance, We need it for survival. But then as we grow, that really shifts to now we have that mother need for guidance as well. It's not just nurturance now. It's not just presence. But there's also the the aspect of we need guidance from a mother, especially today. In a society where we don't have a community of women who are kind of picking up each other's slack, if we wanna say it that way, nobody's perfect and no one can do it all, right? Which is why we are designed to be such communal beings and need each other. But now there is isn't an, an extra need for mothers to provide us these things. And that guidance, you know, that sense of safety, that sense of stability, that sense of I am here with you and I see you, that is so imperative for us developing a strong relationship with ourselves because it completely shifts our perception of ourselves. If we are abandoned, we believe that we are not important. No matter what the meaning behind it was, a lot of us attach lots of stories and patterns of behavior because of this core need to be nurtured. And this relationship with our mother, you know, not only is it shaping our sense of self and who we are and our importance in the world, but it, our mother's relationship with herself, you know, her relationship with how she takes care of herself, how she talks about her body, how she looks at her body in the mirror, how she approaches food, how she eats, you know, what she says about food, how she just takes care of herself in general is going to really largely shape what we think about ourselves and how we approach nourishing ourselves, how we approach our own bodies and how we approach nurturing, nurturing ourselves and our children. And so taking it back to that deep fear that so many women are feeling right now, there's this deep sense of like, I can't get out of fight or flight. I'm so afraid of this thing, but I'm not sure what it is. I'm worried. I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling so incredibly burdened and I'm trying to control everything. Is it possible that so many of us, there's something deep, deep down that we can't put our finger on because this is a part of it? And I know this isn't true for all of us, right? Some of us did have very emotionally present mothers and were the mothers that we needed for guidance and teaching us about our bodies and for teaching us about life and relationships and all the things that are really important, the raw, real, gritty parts of life. But I think a majority of the women that I talk to in my generation can admit that that's not the case. A lot of us carry this gaping hole. And It's of no one specific person's fault. Of course, As women, it's so important for our sense of self to be able to take personal responsibility and accountability for the things that we contribute to. That's a part of our growth process. We absolutely need to do that. And a lot of times right now, especially with the climate of where the world is, I I think that there's a lot of accountability that women don't take. And that can really lead to its own types of problems. But I, I, I don't think that this is specifically anyone's fault. I think it's really how we've moved as a society that has left this gaping hole for a lot of us. You know, if you look at the past three generations, we have had a more emotionally absent mothers with what's been going on historically. And this is why I talked about like the past hundred years in, I think it was episode six, because I know I'm not speaking for everyone, and but there were a lot of mothers who were checked out, numbed out, and what I like to call and refer to as being under spells, almost operating in this just kind of going through the motions type of way and if we look at what's happened over the past three generations of course right there was this push to get women out of the home and into the workforce and that you don't want to be home with your children you don't want to be doing any of those things you want to be out and having a career and you don't need a man and, you know, then you see what was happening in the 60s, whereas like the first round of what I almost see as like antidepressants, you know, a lot of women were on tranquilizers during that time. The 60s and 70s were, ran really rampant with women who were just completely numbed out and checked out because they were on their tranquilizers. And then you see the uptick in like microwave meals, right? Convenience options comes in, come in, where now mom doesn't have to be at home cooking meals and nourishing her children because now you can just go to the freezer section and pop it in the microwave and dinner's ready in two minutes or less. And this is not a judgment. This is not an argument of well this is this is what was necessary this is what would ha- what had to happen i know everybody's situation is different i'm just kind of making an overarching comment on this is really the kind of mentality that slowly has seeped in that has gotten us to the point where we're all just like wait i feel like i've i've missed out on a lot i think a lot of us really hurt for we wish we would have been taught about our bodies we wish we would have been taught about womanhood we wish we would have been taught like basic necessary skills like cooking and how to clean and how to like fold a fitted sheet you know these are things that we should have been learning that are important that we want to be able to do and so many of us those things are so far away from us that it's feeling like this uphill battle to learn how to cook for ourselves and create a healthy meal and get into a, a routine where we take care of ourselves why does this feel so hard And I listened to this quote that I heard in a video by Teal Swan. And the video was labeled, we demolished feminine power. And this video, like the quote that she said summed it up perfectly. She said, it's the era of the woman does everything. And what's the point of a man? We did not gain feminine power. In fact, we further demolished feminine power and now women have found themselves in a position where they're expected to be what a man is and provide what a man provides and at the same time as somehow providing what a female provides that is destructive not only for women but for men so right now we're living through a crisis honestly for both masculinity and femininity because of it and that's really it right like i mentioned in my burnout episode when i talked about my burnout how you know there's this this push for, for young girls where it's like you can be anything and everything you want, but it, there's almost this underlying undertone of like you better be something great, right? Like you can't possibly just want to be content with your life and at peace and be a mother and, you know, cook and nurture something else. Like that's not enough, right? There's that undertone underlying our society. But then, then at the same time, little boys are being taught that they need to just be strong and get a good job and suck it up. And even though we see people outwardly saying, like, you know, men should share their emotions more, men have emotions. Well, of course they have emotions, but they're also just different than women. And what feeds them doesn't feed us. We're not the same. And I talked about this physiological difference in episode five, that everyone loved that episode. And so we see women in the past 50 years kind of have gotten caught up in this storm where. They have just been going, going, striving, striving because that's what has just been beaten into them from the moment they're born, right? They can be anything and they can be powerful and they can be this and they can be that. Not at one point is somebody asking them, what do you truly deeply want? Like what feels good in your body? (laughs) Because honey, your body is going to let you know what you're feeling. And if something that you're doing is working for you, like, where is that type of teaching? where is the teaching about our feminine nature and our hormones and what the physiological cost to pushing ourselves beyond our body's limits is really going to cost us? And even more, what is it going to cost our children? I have a mentor who I talk to her often and she is a mother and she has a lot more wisdom and experience because I don't feel always so confident talking about these concepts or things that I have not experienced. Like I am not personally a mother yet. And so I always make sure that I'm talking to women that are wiser than me that have the experience that I don't have. And she told me something that is going to stick with me forever. And she said, Jessica, there's nothing more painful to a woman and to a mother than to see your child struggle or be in pain and have it be because of you and i thought man did that hurt to hear and i like i felt it viscerally as a woman and i don't even have a child and i so i can't imagine the type of pain that is and so i think on one side of how many of us that are really trying to nurse the wound of I'm not good enough and it's never enough that a lot of us carry. And we don't know why it's never enough. We don't know why we strive and we push and we accomplish the way that we do. There's just this deep, almost core part of us that is driving us to do it, even though it's hurting us, even though it's physiologically costing us. But then on the flip side, I think we're having, we're going through this place where a lot of us carry so much rage and anger and bitterness as well. And, you know, I love how in traditional Chinese medicine that is often, you know, the liver and the gallbladder. And I wonder just how many of us are uh, struggling with all of these detoxification issues, right? Because the liver and the gallbladder are so paramount in uh, removing, you know, broken down hormones and chemicals and the xenoestrogens and metabolites and just the general metabolic waste our body gives off, or how many of us just have this like pit in our stomach of rage. And sometimes it just pops up and we're like, where is that rage coming from? And the same mentor I was talking about, she always reminds me that rage, Jessica, is just a message from the body that your boundaries are being crossed, whether you're crossing your own boundaries or somebody else has crossed your boundaries. Anger is a form of protection. And it tells us a lot about ourselves, which is why suppressing it is just so physiologically powerful it impacts us on such a physical level. But I think a lot of us do carry rage and anger on a deeper level, possibly due to that mother wound, possibly due to that deep, deep hunger that we have that we can't get to the bottom of. But I also wonder for our mothers and our grandmothers how maybe the pain that they carry and the shame that they carry you know i like i i've loved to see this rise in the karen you know the karen archetype over the past decade where you see these women just like just going absolutely insane like chasing people in their cars and like kicking cars and you know just like cussing out cashiers and just just like they lose their ever-loving minds all of a sudden something Mm -hmm. triggers them and they lose their ever-loving mind and i wonder too how many of these women are just in such deep deep pain as well from their choices without even maybe understanding why or being able to connect to why If I mentioned any links or resources in the episode, they are always included in the show notes for your convenience. And if you enjoyed the episode and want to support the podcast, please share it with others, share about it on social media, or leave a rating or review. Anything helps. I really rely on the amazing women in our community like you to spread the word. And with that being said, I also really value your ideas and thoughts about the podcast. So if you have any topics you'd like discussed or guests you'd like me to bring on, please go to justcashwellness.com slash podcasts to share those with me. And if you want more content or you want to stay in the loop about new episode drops, follow me on Instagram at Jessica Cash Wellness and sign up for my Sunday email at Jessica wellness.com slash email dash subscribe. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you soon.